All right, so this morning, we are going to talk about the fruits of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. Now, this is not an exhaustive teaching. It would take weeks to cover all things. And as a matter of fact, this is more of a, it's a little bit of a challenge because I I want to bring a balance of perspective. Because we've got folks in here that have walked with Jesus for 60 years, but maybe they weren't in a church that expressed the gifts of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have prophetic, they didn't have words of knowledge, and so that's something new for them. We have some people that have just barely started their walk with Jesus, maybe six weeks or less. And so I'm trying to bring something for everyone, no matter where you are. Some of you, you may have been prophesying since you were walking it too, but Maybe you've been doing it for so long that now you've forgotten how to sort of break it down into common terms. You know, like when your kid comes to you and asks you how to break down a sentence in in diagram, you know, dangling participles and adjectives and adverbs, and, and you've been doing it so long you forget the language. So maybe this morning, if you've known Jesus for a long time and you've been prophesying for a long time and you know everything I'm about to say, this will at least refresh the language for you so that when somebody asks you a question, you've got sort of the framework to explain it to them. And so turn with me to Galatians chapter 5. We're going to read 19 through 23. I'm going to read out of the Passion Translation because I think it's easy to understand. And everybody just kind of curl your toes into your shoes because everybody's toes are going to get stepped on here. This is an equal opportunity toe-stepping moment. The behavior of the self-life is obvious. That's talking about a life that's just living for themselves, to satisfy their self-desires, their self-wants, their self-needs. Sexual immorality, lustful thoughts, pornography, chasing after things instead of God, manipulating others, hatred of those who get in your way. Hello, driving in traffic in Houston. Senseless arguments resentments when others are favored, temper tantrums. Temper tantrums are not just for two-year-olds, I hate to tell you. Angry quarrels, only thinking of yourself. Hello, being in love with your own opinions. Somebody get me a mirror. If you don't want my opinion, don't ask, because I guarantee you I got one about whatever. All right, being in love with your own opinions, being envious of the blessings of others. Murder. Now, remember, Jesus said if you hold hatred in your heart towards someone, you've already murdered them. So this isn't just the physical act of murder, but also that thing where you hold on to an offense and you're going to hate them. That's murder, according to Jesus. Uncontrolled addictions, wild parties, and all other similar behavior. Okay? Haven't I already warned you that those who use their freedom for these things will not inherit the kingdom realm of God. But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart, and strength of spirit. Never set the law above these qualities, for they are meant to be limitless. Here's the thing about fruit. Fruit is grown. It's not given. It's grown. 
we have all, I have, I will admit, I'll be transparent. I have prayed, Lord, give me patience. He doesn't give patience. You grow patience. You grow patience. It, it takes some heat. It takes that, gosh, do you guys remember how hot it was for so many days this summer? Hot and hot and hot. And then it takes some fall time where the leaves fall off. Then it takes some winter months where it gets dark at 4 o'clock. And, I mean, at 7 o'clock the other night, I looked over at Dave and I said, is it midnight? <sighs> you know, and then it takes that springtime with all the rains. And it just seems like it never stops raining. It takes all the seasons. It takes fertilizer. It takes pruning. You know how you grew fr grow fruit in your life? You say no to yourself. You say no to yourself. Fruit is brought by maturity. Maturity is brought by obedience. Not time. I have seen, I won't say the ages, but I have seen people who should have known better, who should have acted better, flat out stomp their foot and act like a two-year-old because they weren't getting what they want, when they wanted, how they wanted, where they wanted. And that, that, that should not be for those who say we are lovers of Jesus, that we are followers of Christ, that we have laid our lives down, that we have, we have surrendered our wills, our emotions, our ambitions, our future, our hope, our dreams to him. And so if we're going to say it, then we need to live it. But fruit is grown. Here's the other thing about fruit. It sustains. Fruit is, is what sustains you. It's, it's that joy that overflows, that sustains you through the trials of life, through the valleys that we walk through, through the times when things aren't going our way, when people are being mean, maybe even unjustly being mean to us, whenever our boss is being impossible, he's like Pharaoh in the Old Testament, make bricks, make bricks without straw, make more bricks. That's when the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the love that's being expressed through him, it grows in us and it sustains us through the ups and downs of life. And it also, Kirk coined this phrase. I don't know if he made it up, if the Holy Spirit gave it to him or he got it from somewhere else, but he said it the first time. And so now we all say it. The kingdom is not about you, but it's not without you. The fruit is for you, but it's also for others. It's also for others. Let me tell you, having worked as a nurse in an emergency room and, and dealt with a lot of people dealing with mental health issues, you never know how close to the edge someone is. You're running late. You run into HEB because you got a sore throat and you just want to pick up some cough drops really quick. And that poor girl is up there making, you know, $7.50 or $10 or $12 or $15 an hour, and she's trying to, you know, and it's, and you're in a hurry, and she doesn't know what she's doing, and she's having to go find somebody else. And, and you know, on the inside, some of us, most of us, you know, we want to just, you know, we want her to feel the same pain that we're in. We want her to feel the same pressure that we're feeling because we're, we're late and we got to get there. But whenever we say no to that, and we say, we put a smile on our face, and we choose to live like Jesus would live, 
We say no to our soul. We say no to our anger, our frustration, our fear, or whatever's going on on the inside of us. And we say, don't worry about it, darling. Take your time. Everybody's got to learn something new at some point. Don't you worry about it. You don't know what that could do for that girl's life because we do not realize how much pressure, how much fear, how much pain, how much hurt is in people today. I was shocked shocked when I was in school and then when I went on to, to work in the ER, how many of my fellow nurses were on antidepressives and anti-anxieties. And if there's anybody in here that's on those, I'm not trying to shame you in any way, but I am telling you that that is not God's highest and his best for you and that there is freedom for you. There is freedom from anxiety. There is freedom from depression. There is freedom from hurt and pain from the past. There is freedom from fear of your past, of your present, of your future there is freedom for you and that is the fruit of the spirit that the Lord wants to grow on the inside of us to sustain us and all those around us see within the fruit third point within the fruit is the seed for the next harvest within the fruit is the seed for the next harvest now that's not just a harvest of souls but a harvest of love, friendship, kindness in your own life. It might be that as you plant love into other people's kids, God sends someone around to then plant love back into your kid because, you know, your kids aren't going to listen to you. Everybody's an expert but you. And so there's, there is seed. My, my dad's a farmer. He just got done with planting season. He plants wheat. It grows all winter. In the spring, he lets his cattle out there. They nip it and that 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 prunes it, makes it grow more full. And then come June, he harvests that wheat. He sells 90% of it. That ends up being, I don't know, hamburger buns, you know, whatever. It, it turns into wheat, which turns into flour, which makes all of our yummy carb things like cakes and cookies and muffins and hamburger buns and hot dog buns. But he also keeps some of that for his future harvest. So see, some of the seed that the Lord wants to produce and the fruit that's in us is not just for others, and it's not just for planting more, but it's also for us. It's to help us. It's to feed us. And so these are, this is what the Lord wants to do in our life. He wants to bring about fruit of the Spirit in us. And it's, it's important. It's necessary. He's, there's a lot of scriptures in the New Testament about the fruit of the Spirit. It's what sustains us. And then there are the gifts. The gifts of the Spirit. Now, the gifts, see all my beautiful fruit? I mean, I've, I even got a pomegranate in here. The gifts are shiny and fun and exciting and necessary. Okay, we're not going to do the insecure girl thing this morning. Women sometimes men, mostly women, when they're insecure, whenever they're with their boyfriend, their husband, their whomever, he says, oh, look at that girl. She's pretty. She immediately thinks, he didn't say I'm pretty. I must not be pretty. And then there's like this whole thing of, of like trying to build her back up. Now, my husband can say that anybody is pretty and that's fine with me because he's already told me 10 times a day how drop dead gorgeous I am. And, and we're still honeymooning. And so, you know, Guys, 
Tell your wife how beautiful she is. Tell her how gorgeous she is. Then if you say that somebody else is pretty, she's not going to care. But just because I talk about the gifts doesn't mean that the fruits aren't important. Or just if I talk about the fruits doesn't mean the gifts are important. They're both important. They serve different purposes. But the ultimate purpose is that they change people's lives. They change people's lives. And so let's turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Again, we're going to read out of the Passion Translation. We're going to read verses 4 through 11. It is the same Holy Spirit who continues to distribute many different varieties of gifts. The Lord is Yahweh is one, and he is one who apportions to believers different varieties of ministries. The same God distributes different kinds of miracles that accomplish different results, though each believer's gift and ministry as he energizes and activates them. Each believer is given continuous revelation by the Holy Spirit to benefit not just himself, but all. For example, the Spirit gives to one the gift of the word of wisdom. To another, the Spirit gives the gift of the word of revelation knowledge. And to another, the Spirit gives the gift of faith. And to another, the same Spirit gives gifts, gifts of healing, multiple. And to another, power to work miracles. And to another, the gift of prophecy. And to another, the gift to discern what the Spirit is speaking. And to another, the gift of speaking different kinds of tongues. And to another, the gift of interpretation of tongues. Remember, it is the same Holy Spirit who distributes, activates, and operates these different gifts as he chooses for each believer. I didn't count it. I probably should have. But do you realize how many times he said gift in there? Not reward, not award, not prize. You don't earn your gift. You don't earn it. It's not a prize for best behaved. It's not a reward for the most people you bring to church. It's not a war and award for longest living with Jesus. It's a gift given with no strings. The Bible says that, that God gives his gifts without and callings without repentance, meaning he's going to give them and not take them back. That's kind of scary. That's kind of scary because that means that people can use them how God intended to use them, or they can use them for their own whatever, to build up their identity. Maybe they think that their identity is in their prophesying, it's in their preaching, it's in their teaching, it's, you know, that's who I am, and if I do it good, then I'm good, and if I don't do it good, then I'm going to be depressed for two weeks because I messed it up. See, gifts are gifts. They're not awards, they're not rewards, they're not prizes. So here's the challenge. I'm trying to bring a balance to this perspective because on the one hand, that allows us to give grace to whoever is operating in the gift. Maybe they don't quite have their whole life together. They didn't earn it. God gave it to them. And so, guess what? He gave gifts to the disciples before they were, like, together. They, he gave gifts when they were still fighting over who was, who was greatest and who was going to sit next to him. And, and they were arguing about who, who, was, who got the most salvations or who got the most healings. Like, when they were still squabbling amongst themselves, they were still out there healing people. 
They were still out there preaching. They were still out there teaching. And so we need to, you need to recognize that, that if you operate in a gift, if you get the word of, of prophecy, if you get a word of knowledge for somebody, if you get the word for the service or whatever, one, no, you didn't earn that. Let's put it in the proper perspective. You didn't earn that. Now, you operated it, and you may have honed it, and you may have sharpened it, and you may have practiced it, and you may have come back to people and said, now, was that right? Help me. To teach me here. Let me learn this. And, that, and we want to give honor where honor is due. On the other hand, we also want to give grace where grace is due. Just realize that when someone's operating in their gift, as I am now, they may or may not have everything in their life operating as it should be. They may be on their way somewhere. They may not be like they used to be, but they may not be where they're supposed to be, but they're on their way and they are reaching out to people and trying to do the stuff. And so give them a little grace. Now that's not to say, this is not a license to come in here and prophesy and preach and you know, discernment of spirits and whatever, and then go out there and act like a jerk. You don't get to act like a jerk, right? Because here's the thing with gifts and fruits. The gifts will elevate you. It's just, it's just how it is. It's how people are. It, in Christendom and church history, people with a strong gift have been given platforms. They've been given leadership abilities. They've been given whatever. And, and probably a lot of times way too soon. That doesn't happen here. That doesn't happen here. Woo, that doesn't happen here. If, you, if you're going to operate in a gift, you're going to get some feedback. <laughs> like it or not, it's coming. <laughs> and sometimes it comes like a gentle dove, and sometimes it comes like a Mack truck, but you're getting some feedback. So you're safe here. This is a safe place to practice your gifts. This is a safe place to practice your gifts. Nobody's going to get too big for their britches. Nobody. Not here. But your gifts, gifts are shiny. They make noise. They, it's, it's fascinating when someone can walk up to you and tell you about your whole life and they've never met you. Woo! That means something. When someone can, can just read what's going on in your heart and your life and then they tell you the hope of Jesus and you, you feel that. You feel the Spirit coming in. That is something. And so gifts will elevate you. But if you do not have the fruits, the character, the integrity, the joy, the faith, everything to support that, that gift will crush you and crush all those around you. And we have seen it over and over and over again in the kingdom. When will we learn? A gift is a gift. It's not earned. Which takes me to my second point. Just because someone is operating in a gift does not mean God approves of everything that's going on in their life. It doesn't mean that they are living a moral life. It doesn't mean that they are righteous. Let me tell you, there are psychics out there that really, really operate in a gift of being able to divine in the spirit realm, but their source is wrong and they are operating. It's coming from a wrong place, but it's a real gift. It's a real gift. And so this, again, proper perspective here. Somebody operates in a gift. They give you a word. It changes your life. But then you see them out in the parking lot acting a fool. Do you just throw out everything that they said? Well, 
I'm not going to believe anything they say. They're such a jerk. I'm not ever talking to them again. Um, how about we not throw out the baby with the bath water? How about we not focus on the person that's operating the gift, but we focus on the gift giver that chooses to use weak vessels just like us? <laughs> We're all weak at times. And we hang on to what God has said and not be such little divas that it's got to be in, I need the room to be an exact 70 degrees. And I need a pink sparkle cup with a gold glitter straw to drink my room temperature water with no ice, with one eighth of a wedge of lemon squeezed in it. Like, God, you know, if you're going to give me a word, it has to be from this person that's like this, and they say that, and they make me feel this way, and da da da, da. How about we just eat the food that he gives us? Let me tell you, the manna that the children of Israel got in the wild, it landed on the ground. So much for a five-second rule. The meat that they got was brought by ravens. Do you know where ravens get meat? Off of dead animals. That's what they ate. So, I mean, you know, let's check our diva here, our inner diva, and just hang on to what God has said and thank the gift giver, right? And let everything else slide. Give some grace to one another. Thirdly, consider the source. Consider the source of the gift. Jesus is our only source. This is why we're not into horoscopes. We're not into zodiac signs. We're not into Ouija boards. We're not into astral projection. We're not into... Uh, Reiki, we're not into all of that because that is some real spiritual stuff. I'll even go as far as to say, I personally, I know this is controversial. I'm just going to, you know, open a can of worms everywhere. That's fine. Open up the, the closet, skeletons everywhere. It's fine. I personally will not do yoga because it was designed as a form of worship to another God. Now, I'll do Pilates. I will stretch. I have some SI issues. I'm always doing some stretches and, and whatever, but I will not personally do yoga because I will not participate in a worship of another God. And that's what it was designed to do. And so that's because we want the source of what we're operating in. We want the source of, of the giftings to be Jesus and only Jesus. Jesus is our only source. The giftings are not our identity. They're not our identity. I had a friend that she, she had two boys. One played baseball. The other one was into gymnastics. I mean, they were running these kids to, I, I think they had seven nights a week. They had activities, just, just busy, 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 busy. And I mean, that kid from like when he was two until he turned 16, he was in gymnastics. And he was good. He could do the rings. He could do the horse. He could do the floor. I mean, this little kid, he could just flip-flop like a fish out of water. But he decided when he was 16 that he was going to quit. Because he, he realized that he wasn't really good enough to go on to college for a scholarship. And even beyond college, what else do you do with it? And so he decided that he wanted to spend his time doing something else. But after he made the decision... He came to his mom and he said, I don't even know who I am anymore. I was always a gymnast. And she was talking to me and she was all, you know, distraught because he was going through an identity crisis. And I said, no, 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 no. 
He's a, a good kid. He's a, he's a kid of, of kindness. He reaches out to those that are around him that are hurting. He is a kid of integrity. He tells the truth. He works hard. He's self-disciplined. That's who he is. What he does is gymnastics. See, what we are is lovers of Jesus. What we are are worshipers of Jesus. What we are, it's, it's not even, you know, that, that we think that we're so great. It's that he thought so much of us that he was willing to die for us. That's what we are. Prophesying is just something that we do. Giving a word of knowledge is just something we do. Discerning of the spirits, working of miracles, that's just something we do. That's not who we are. And so we have got to make sure that our foundation is in Jesus and only Jesus. And it's not in anything that we do, which means on the other side of that, when we look at somebody getting people healed or prophesying or discerning of spirits, realize their identity is in Jesus. See, it works on both sides. And so Jesus wants, wants us to have both. Gifts and fruit. They are both necessary for your own spiritual development and for the ministry that he's called you to. And each one of us is called to a ministry. There's nobody that's left out. Now, maybe it's not from a platform like this, but maybe, I mean, I have, okay. It's not listed here. I think it might be listed in some other translations or maybe somewhere else in the Bible. But I have a gift of hospitality. Like, I, I can throw a party. I just threw one last week, and people told me it was the best party they'd ever been to. That's right. That's right. I can throw a party. I know when it's time to move on to the next thing. I just instinctively know how to lay out the food. I know how, what mix of people to invite to the party. I know what level to set the music at so that it's loud enough that you can hear it and kind of tap your toe, but you're not having to scream to talk. Like, I just know that. I just, I have a gift of hospitality. Hosting is something I do. Why? To spread the love of Jesus. That's why I do it. That's what I love to do is to have people come in and see how, so they can get together, have some fun, talk, and meet other people that love Jesus so that they can get to know somebody else in Jesus. That's what I love to do. But it's not who I am. It's not who I am. But it's necessary in the, in the kingdom. I think I, parties are always necessary. See, I have, I now have, I, like, I've got it. Parties are necessary. Now, not wild parties like was mentioned in here. Yeah. But parties are necessary. See, God gives each one of us multiple gifts. You know, you may, and I don't, I'm not going to try to split hairs between gifts, ministries, talents. I mean, you know, some two-year-old that just knows how to play the piano or people that can just play things by ear. Oh, I hate those people. Oh, wait, no, I can't because it said I can't hate other people that have gifts. Okay, no, I love those people. But. So I'm not going to split hair between talents and gifts and ministry and all that. Like, to me, if it brings people to Jesus, we're, it's, it's good. It's covered. We're, we're down with it. But it's, that's the point of it, to bring people to Jesus. And what's crazy is that when you are operating in the thing that God has called you to do, it doesn't just help others, but you get something from it too. You totally get something from it. Do you realize that, okay, I don't know when this happened, 
It wasn't, it wasn't happening when I was young, and that wasn't that long ago. But at some point in life, in this, in this culture, we started giving participation trophies to kids for, you know, showing up, right? And they said it was to help their self-esteem. You can't give someone self-esteem. You just can't. I'm, I'm sorry. You can't give it to them. Your body, biochemically, because I'm a nurse and I'm a scientist and I'm a nerd and this is the kind of stuff that I read, actually, when you set a goal and you accomplish that goal, your brain releases a neurochemical called dopamine. And that's the whoo, buzz feeling. Whoo, like, and, and that's when they were designing Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all of that. They had that in mind because every time you get a like, every time you get another follower, every time you got a little heart, every time you got a little compliment, every, it actually triggered that dopamine center in your brain and became more and more addictive. That's what Vegas is all about. You, you know, you never know when you pull that lever, are you going to get the three hearts or the three jokers or the whatever? You're going to get the lights going off and the coins coming out? Like, it's the excitement of it, and it's such a dopamine hit. Dopamine is very close to morphine. Like, they are related. They're related. And that's the kind of buzz that you get off of it. God created that system within our brains for a purpose, now, other people have learned that, and they are now using it and abusing it for their own greedy purposes or whatever, but it's a, it's a natural thing that was created by our supernatural God to reinforce right behavior within us. little biology lesson for you there. And so there's nothing wrong in kind of getting that dopamine hit off of it, right? Like, I, I set a goal, I accomplished that goal, and now I get a dopamine hit off of it. That's, that's a good thing. Like you make your bed in the morning. You know, everybody says, make your bed in the morning. Like get something accomplished in the morning. Make your bed in the morning. And you make it and then you go on. But when you walk back in the room, you're like, oh, I made my bed. There it is. So God created this on purpose for us to reinforce this behavior. And that is how you build self-esteem. That's how you build self-esteem is whenever you, when you do the hard stuff. When you do the hard stuff, whenever you're, you're hurting and you're in an argument with your significant other or, or with a friend or a teacher or a manager and, and they're saying mean stuff at you and you want to say that, you got just that right burn that would just get right in their heart and just twist a little and put them in their place. And instead, you choose the fruit of the Holy Spirit and you choose to have kindness and forgiveness, and letting go of offense. You get a dopamine hit off of that when you realize what it is that you've done because that was a hard thing and you did it. But that's when a little flower boop, pops out on your branch, a little bud, because what? guess what a bud becomes? It becomes a fruit. This is how God has designed us. But we get it twisted. We want our self-esteem to come from the gifts that were just given to us instead of the fruit that was grown. <laughs> we, want, we want the accolades and, and the attaboys and attagirls from the gifts that was just given to us. We didn't do anything for it. It just came instead of the fruit of long-suffering, of perseverance, 
That's one of those fruits, perseverance. When you don't give up, you keep moving forward. You don't let go. You don't stop. You don't step back. You don't let it go. But you, you say, I, what God has said, I'm going for it. I'm going to get this. I'm going to do this. God, you said it. I believe it. Let's go. Not giving up. And so the Lord wants us to have both, and he wants us to have a, a proper perspective to know what, what is grown, what is gifted, and, and, and to know that this is a safe place to practice your gifts. This is a good place to grow your fruit because there's a next wave coming. <laughs> We're not done growing. God has prophesied revival over this, this region, over Fort Bend County and over Houston. God has prophesied that from this place, missionaries would go out, that evangelists would go out, that pastors would go out, that preachers would go out. From this place, there's more kids coming in. And so we need to, to make sure that we've got something that sustains us, but that also sustains them. We need to make sure that, that we've got the giftings flowing out of each one of us, whatever our gift is. Maybe your gift isn't prophesying. Maybe you're terrified of talking in front of people, and that's not your thing. But maybe your thing is just one-on-one -on -one conversation with somebody, and you make them feel so welcome. You make them feel so at home and at ease, and, and you've just got that. That's, that is something to be desired. That is something that's necessary. Now, I've got a little story for you. So in the Old Testament, you need to know the Old Testament, the things, the people there that are mentioned in the Old Testament, it's not fairyland. It's not make-believe. It's real people that had these extraordinary, real experiences. Like, it really happened. And, and archaeologically, they're just finding out more and more and more that it's all true, that it's just absolutely true. And so... There was, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, there was two million of them, I think, like two million, three million, four million, multi-millions, came out of Egypt. They're going across the Jordan into the promised land. They've already wandered around the desert for 40 years. God fed them manna, fire by night and cloud by day. And now they're finally going into the promised land. They're going to cross the Jordan and they already take down the city of Jericho. God just, they march around it seven days and do all this, that, and the other. And God just brings down the walls. Okay, so the other inhabitants of the land are starting to freak out because they see that God is doing this. God said, I will drive out the inhabitants before you. This is your land. This is the land that I want you to have. And so they come to this man named Balaam. His name is Balaam. He is not a Jew. He is not a believer. He is not an Israelite, but he has a gift of divining the spirits. And that is, he's actually turned it into a job. That's where people will pay him. He will go into the spirit realm and talk to whatever beings he can talk to and then bring an answer back to you. And so they, they, these foreign kings come to Balaam and they say, we want you to do your thing and then curse the Israelites so that we can beat them. That's how strongly they believed in blessings and cursings. Even non-believers believed in blessings and cursings. They wanted Balaam to curse the children of Israel so that they could beat them. And so Balaam goes into the spirit. I don't know what he did. I don't know if he was shaking bones or... Right? I don't know what he was doing. But he goes into the spirit, and the Lord, our Lord, talks to him and says, you better not curse them. They are blessed. They are my people. Don't you do it. And so he comes back to him and says, I can't, I can't curse them. Their God has told me not to curse them. I'm not cursing them. 
You know, they oh, please, please, just come with us. Just come with us to the palace. Let the king talk to you. Just, just come, come. So Balaam gets on his donkey, and he's starting to go. And all of a sudden, this donkey goes off to the side. And it's going off the road. He, this donkey goes off to the side. So he beats that donkey, which I don't like. I'm, a, I'm an animal lover. I don't like anybody beating a donkey. But he beats this donkey. And so he gets the donkey back on the road. And she takes a couple more steps. And then she goes over to the side where there's a rock wall. And she crushes his foot into the wall. Now, donkeys are strong. And so if they, you know, jump or whatever, they're, it's hurting you. So, again, he starts to beat her. He beats her, beats her. A third time. They're going, and all of a sudden, she just lays down. Like, she is not, donkeys are stubborn, and she is not going anywhere. And he starts to beat her again. Now, this really happened. This donkey turned around and said, why? Said, out of its mouth, said, why are you beating me? And Balaam talked back. Okay, that's, what the, that's the kind of weird stuff this guy was into that a donkey talking to him was like no big deal. He's going to have a conversation with it. If, if one of my five dogs turned around and said, hey, mom, I really like that food you gave me, you would find me on the floor. I would be like, the animals don't talk. But the, I mean, to this guy, this was no big deal. So he talks back to it. And he said, because you keep going off of the trail. And that donkey said, do you not see that fierce warring, angelic being in front of us that's swinging his sword at us, I'm not going near it. And then Balaam's eyes were open and he saw it. Now, if God can use a donkey to talk, he can use you. But let me just say, don't be a donkey. Now, when I say donkey, you need to know that I love Jesus with all my heart. But some translations have another word for donkey. It rhymes with grass. And that's what I'm thinking in my mind. Like if God can use a donkey to talk, he can use you. But don't be a donkey. Don't be a donkey. Come on, guys. Don't be a donkey. And so a few weeks ago, Lena preached a sermon, don't be dumb. My sermon today is don't be a donkey. Don't be a donkey. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, we thank you that we can have fun in your presence. Lord, there is nothing more fun than you. You are the original fun maker. You are the original partier. And so, Lord, we just praise you and we thank you for today, for all that you have spoken to us, for what you're doing in our lives. Lord, I thank you for the revival that is yet to come. Lord, I thank you that the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will walk, the, the dumb will speak. Lord, I thank you that those that are walking in darkness will come into light and they will know your love and they will forever be in heaven after their death because they met us. And so, Lord, let us be both full of fruit and gifts. Lord, let us not be donkeys, but let us be full of your love for everyone. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen.